0: And welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast My name is Max Turman I am your moderator and with me this week is Christmas Trivia Champion and President-Elect Dan Marcello Hello Vice President-Elect and Worship Director Scott Reed I thought he was co-president Yeah, I think we're co president And lifelong Barry White (laughs) enthusiast And escaped clone of A.W. Tozer Bill (laughs) (laughs) Calvin Where did he escape from?
1: (laughs) Scott, will you pray for us? I will pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, as we look at the world around us, uh, we're just reminded of our desperate need for you, and we're grateful, Lord, that you did not leave that need unmet, uh, but you Mm -hmm. came into this world Mm -hmm. as a man to live a perfect life and to die on the cross for us. Lord, we praise you that you rose again from the dead and uh, that the next 2,000 years of history, Lord, have been all um, so, so impacted by that. Uh, that single act, and Lord, we're here because of that act. We pray, Lord, that what we do today might bring honor and attention and glory to what you've done for us. We pray, Lord, that we would uh, gain insight into your character and help others draw close to you uh, through our conversation today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's going to take a long time to get... That Barry
0: White out of my head. It's just going to be playing in the background for a why while. Why do you want to get him out of your head? Well, that's where he belongs. A, I have a podcast. To, <laughs> I was going to say listen to. I have a podcast to listen to. Scott, give us the would you rather. All right. Well, we're back with the
1: first would you rather. Sorry. Why do you have to touch your microphone? Because while was, you, Why couldn't you do it while I was talking? Well, now I'm going to start over. We're back with the first would-you-rathers of 2021 since Max prohibited me from doing them last week. That's right. It was a solemn occasion. And I understand, but But my spirit raged within me. (laughs) (laughs) So this is, amazingly, I found the one that I wanted to do last week. It was, I guess I had put it in here, and I thought that I probably would have shuffled them around, but I didn't. Hmm my idle hands left it where it was. Good. Um, So here we go. I think this is one other than me looking at it last week that I have not seen uh, thus far, which is always an accomplishment. So we're going to do the one question per person, Bill, would you rather drive 50 miles with a car full of digital alarm clocks beeping, <laughs> or drive the same distance with four styrofoam coolers, which constantly rub against each other, creating that annoying squeaking sound. Oh, oh.
2: styrofoam coolers. Oh, yeah. I've, I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll do it again. <laughs> been
1: a father. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I, I would agree with that. Alarm clocks give me so much anxiety.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: there's so many noises that a phone can make that just, like, trigger an adrenaline shot in me because
3: of all the times I've woken up to them. True, true. I would choose the, uh, the alarm clocks, not the styrofoam. Why? Really? I can't do any kind of nails-on-chalkboard sounds. I, and I, that, that kind of is approaching that level. Mm, Even I thinking about it is giving me heebie-jeebies. <laughs> huh. I can't do
0: uh, knives sharpening. I can't do that noise. That drives me crazy.
1: Mm. Max, would you rather have to walk around with six large balloons tied to your wrist for a year? Been there or with loud bells on your ankles for you. Oh, you'd be like the high priest. I would be the put rings on my fingers
0: and bells on my toes. <laughs> I'll go with bells. So when I bells. walk, my knees and my um, ankles snap like crazy. So I can't sneak up on anybody anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so at least the bells I can like make a fun joke mm-hmm. out of it. But the balloons, people are like, what are they for? <laughs> Whose birthday is it? That would get old. But I'm sure the bells would never get old.
1: You can just tell them it's your birthday.
0: Can I? What, can I change out the bells? Can I have like different like uh, chords on different days? As long as they're loud. Okay, sweet. I got my Tuesday chords. I
1: got my Wednesday chords. Yeah, and so on.
0: <laughs> you know the rest. <laughs> you can fill in the rest of the graph by yourself.
1: <laughs> Dan, right. would you rather have the government change your zip code every year, change your zip code every year, or your area code every year? <laughs> hmm. Probably the zip code, because I might
3: forget what the area code, and that makes it tough for people getting in contact with you. Mm -hmm. Zip code, at least if you write the wrong zip code or someone did, they probably send it to me anyway. There's like a chance, yeah, exactly.
1: Plus, probably (laughs) in our mail anyway. (laughs) (laughs)
0: What's the matter? (laughs) I, I had uh, our friends Ryan and Becca were moving from. um, They like did one of those pod things and then shipped it from uh, when they first got married to from New York. Out here, and they accidentally put 06 instead of 60, and ended up in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> so, gosh. admittedly, you can write the correct address by street mm. and number and state and city, and they'll still be like, But it says 06, mm-hmm. we gotta send it to Connecticut. That's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. I think you're taking your life into your hands, but it's better than mm-hmm. having to.
1: Retell everyone in your phone book your number at the end of the year. Yeah. True. Plus, yeah, as I was thinking about this last week, because I read all these last week. Right. The, generally, the zip code is going to affect you the most because people don't mail you things that often. Mm. Like it's usually you filling out your address. True. So as long as you can remember that true. it changes. If, if you change it on to... Amazon, like I pay, I don't get a lot of bills in the mail. I just usually pay them online. Yeah. True. Yeah, It's true. Would I rather be a gorgeous person of the opposite sex or keep my gender but be an ugly person?
0: Oh, we've been here. <laughs>
1: Well, I didn't look at it. (laughs) That's the rule. I'm just impressed that we've come back. We have always, we've been almost everywhere in this deck. It's amazing. I'm going to say, I'm going to say ugly, but the same, same gender. That's sweet. Because I'm already married. That's right. So Mm, the only person that hurts is my wife, (laughs) but it hurts her less than the alternative. Fair enough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is time for the surprisingly quick return of a recent segment called What? Aliens? (laughs) On December 28th, 2020, President Donald Trump signed a coronavirus relief bill that promised stimulus, stimulus checks to help ease the economic pain of quarantine. And that bill famously included a number of Uh, insane sort of bonus laws that Congress people from both sides forced in, since the bill was almost certain to pass, regardless of what was in it, due to the immense political pressure from Americans in need. So, one such bonus is that the Director of National Intelligence and the Secretary of Defense now have right around 163 days to present Congress with a declassified report of everything our military and government know about UFOs, including explanations of several famous videos that leaked from the Navy over the last couple years. Declassified? That's we have to declassify everything we know about aliens. That means it's public knowledge. 163 yeah. days. Whoa. <laughs> um. That's going to be cool. I think so. <laughs> yeah. What's the coolest thing they could reveal? The zombies. <laughs> <laughs> zombies aren't aliens,
1: Bill. That's a loophole. That's That's the, yeah. You know you anything about the zombies. You didn't the zombies. Well,
0: you said the UFOs. You didn't necessarily say what you said about the aliens. It'd be
3: really funny if they came <laughs> back and the report was like, we got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck.
1: <laughs> what is the coolest thing they could reveal?
2: Maybe that Area 52.
1: Jesus Christ came back and they're keeping him in a lab somewhere. <laughs> oh my God. I don't even want
0: to
3: get into the theological implications of us capturing
0: the return of Jesus Christ.
3: Uh, Dan. Uh, I don't know. I guess it would be neat if they had found some kind of spacecraft and be able to mm. like, take it apart and be like, this is our sure. own version. <laughs> 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 here you go. We were. Or like yeah. we've been on Mars before, or like sure. some, some been other been planet. Mars that this would be whole cool. Time. We've been on Mars. <laughs> we are
0: Mars. We're trying to get to Earth,
3: and we've got a secret <laughs> right. base. Right? That's mine. That was like a. Secret well, the Israeli base guy Mars. said that they have a secret
0: base on Mars where representatives from Earth meet with. Oh, true. The the intergalactic uh, federation. So. Galactic United Federation of Planets. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what's the worst? What's the worst case scenario? Either the most horrifying or the most disappointing thing they can reveal. I think that the people that are doing the declassifying have been replaced by aliens. Fair enough. Can we trust them? Well, let's get into that later. (laughs) Bill. Yes. What's the most horrifying or disappointing thing? Are you with us today? Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) You said zombies to aliens. Well,
2: I know. I stand by that answer. (laughs) That
0: was a good answer. Okay. Okay. Uh,
2: What's the most horrifying is that they really have something. That, That would be horrifying to think. What? Hmm. And and maybe have it in captivity, you know? Oh, sure. Mm. That, that would, would be I mean, awful. it'd be cool as all get out, but, <laughs> but, <horrified.
0: laughs> but, but horrifying. But <laughs> bad.
2: How, how old is this creature? <laughs> well, we got him back in 1911 and still have him. <laughs> <laughs> he can bend bars, <laughs> keeping him in place with an electronic force field. Oh, all right. <laughs> That would be horrifying. When does the zoo open and we can come and watch all this stuff? That's true. That's yeah. true. I hope that the aliens, if we had like
0: captured and been mistreating some poor alien for all this time, I hope the aliens would understand like, that's not our fault. Like as individuals, like it's our dumb elected officials fault for like poking
1: this thing. Uh, <laughs> Scott, I think I already said it, that, that the people that are in power and are, are, oh, are, actually, are actually, yeah, they've been replaced by... Yeah. Did we still but vote they, for them? But they have to declassify it because I they've been told that's to. Right. That's right. That's the question. <laughs> and so they do. <laughs> They're like, ah, I didn't know Congress like, got ah, over the
3: declassification of the Jig documents. documents. I mean, I think
0: if Congress oh, right. if Congress agrees and then the president signs it, then I think they have to. It's otherwise, a law, then. Otherwise, we don't have any control over our government. Hmm? So I'm glad. I hope they do it. And that's my thing is like, if I was them, I'd be like, yeah, that's all we got. I guess the most disappointing thing
1: would be that at the end, they're just like, no. Yeah. They're like, sorry, it's too dangerous. (laughs) Was that
3: 163 (laughs) days ago? Wow. Oh, wow. Crazy.
1: Well, we got an extension. (laughs) Yeah. I think the
3: scariest thing too would be like mass hysteria and panic about something. Oh, sure. Mm. That'd be freaky. Which brings us back to the question of if we do have an alien in captivity
0: or we have found a spacecraft, does that change our theology at all? We already talked about this. I know, but for the people who we
3: got to wait 163 days. Go back and watch episode
0: 45. I think that's about right. Good job. (laughs) Uh,
3: The podcast, of
0: course, has been a major player in intergalactic radio for several weeks now. Um, So we are not afraid of the truth coming out. Um, (laughs) But it does make me wonder something, Bill. You famously have said that God abides in the truth. Often, when you've said something. Uh, by accident over the phone. <laughs> and then you've just covered yourself by saying, you know what, God abides in the truth, which is true. But that brings me to the question of, is there a limit to that? Are there things that that are true that shouldn't be said? Not like, oh, don't say it now, this is a bad time. But like, are there are there truths that should not be said that God wouldn't glory in us
1: revealing, so to speak? I don't know if this answers your question, but there are definitely, I mean, like, we look at the life of Jesus, he heals people, and he says, don't tell anyone about this. Mm. I, I mm. don't know mm. why he says that. Mm. That's something that kind of I just read me. that one of those today every time I read those, but he does say that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. And also, part of that
0: is that he doesn't, I mean, he's, you know, he talks a lot about how it's not his time yet, right? Right. And he's not ready to be captured. It's not, hasn't happened.
1: Right. What else were you gonna say, Scott? I was gonna say I was also reading um, some of the epistles today, and and Paul talks a lot about God in the NLT. The way that there, or the the version of the NLT that I have, which I think might be an older version, he he refers a lot to God's secret plans. That's the language he uses in the NLT, and what he's talking about is is uh, the plan to incorporate the Gentiles into his people. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, there are other other translations word it a little bit differently, but the the gist is the same that there was this this long standing plan that God had that, sure. which again is kind of like a not yet sort of <laughs> sort of thing that He reveals, but there are definitely times when God keeps things kind of in the dark. Yeah, Bill.
2: I, I can see information that is truthful that I really would not want to know. Mm. For instance, mm. no parent wants to know your child is going to die before you, mm. and that's happened to mm. probably a quarter of the population. They're outliving their own children, but it would be awful to live with that knowledge mm.
0: for years and years mm-hmm. and years. And yeah. yeah, and I and that also you know goes back to God knowing us best and knowing you know what where do we need to be for what is happening to us now Mm. right who has he made us to be who has he built us up to be for today for the things he has for us to do today and why am i not the person that i will be in two months today and Mm. you know the answer is because it's not time for me to be that person yet (laughs) um any other thoughts on god abides in the truth
3: yeah i have one It's thinking about especially with children kid brings you, like, the worst piece of artwork in the world. I'm not saying this has happened to me. but, but, like,
0: in general, kids, they bring you... Amber's just going to roll over and punch
3: you. They bring you something, and you're like... I mean, if you were to say, and they spent all this time on it, and your kid brings you something, and you're like, this is a piece of junk. (laughs) I mean, that would kill them. (laughs) And and so you don't want to be insulting and hurtful, so... Mm. But you just... And you don't lie and just say, well, thank you. I really appreciate, Mm. you know that you did that for me yeah. Mm-hmm. because telling them the truth or, you know, if a kid sings out of tune or whatever, kids are kids and that's going to kind of crush their spirit, which is what us as parents aren't supposed to do is to frustrate our kids mm-hmm. or crush their spirits. Yeah. And so that's an instance where like telling a, a truth like that would be really blunt and kind of, and hurtful. Yeah. Which would be, is, is, is it, is the truth that the thing is like the next Picasso piece or Michelangelo? No. no, Obviously not, but But saying that would be... So you're not lying either. Yeah. Not lying and saying, wow, you are like... You're the best. The next... I don't know a good artist because I don't know anything. I'm not saying that my kid is... (laughs) (laughs) A bad artist. A bad artist.
0: (laughs) When it comes to sharing hard truths, I guess you just have to follow... You have to follow God's lead on... To kind of follow like the artistic... uh, The artistic route like... At what point do you start telling your child mm-hmm. like hey like
2: mm-hmm.
0: i don't even know maybe i don't want to get into that <laughs> like, well,
2: but, but you're bringing up a good point yeah, you there do. are times parenting involves guiding your children yes yeah, sure and if they're really not on this earth to play that sport absolutely or be this artist or be this musician yeah even if they're all fired up about it. You've got to tone them down and mm-hmm. and get their expectations lower that y- you are not going mm-hmm. to make the school jazz band. Right. It's, we're glad you like music, but but don't get mm-hmm. your hopes up so high.
3: Helping mm-hmm. them temper that, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's super important.
2: Without dousing Cause you, them, obviously. Yeah,
3: exactly. Because the other flip side of it, you don't want someone else being like, hey, you stink at this. Mm-hmm. And then... Having encouraged them in it when really you knew it wasn't their thing. Sure.
2: Yeah. Mm, Think of American Idol. I don't know if you ever watched that show, but all those people (sighs) that are being told by Simon, you really can't sing. (laughs) What do you mean I can't sing? And they they start making a case for who's told them they can sing. You think Mm -hmm. you need some honest people in your life. Mm -hmm. He's telling Mm -hmm. you the truth.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you a question that's, you know, personal and you can tell me, if you want it in the show or not, because I want to know. All right. Regardless. So take, you know, Joel's son, how old is he? Five. Five. With everything that Joel's gone through, is there a right time for him to talk to, to his son about that? Is there a right time? You know, there's clearly wrong times and there's clearly wrong ages where it doesn't make sense. Is that something that he should?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, he could even do that now. And the explanation can be as simple as, I'm sorry for you seeing me in this condition. Daddy's got a sickness. It's called alcoholism. Mm. Alcoholism is an awful disease. Mm. So pray for me. Mm. And and forgive me. And Mm -hmm. you know what? A five-year-old can understand that.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that'd be powerful. Mm -hmm. Scott, what were you going to say? I was going to bring up... This is a Thank sharp you, left turn but <laughs> just about you know, god not revealing things or whatever. Yeah. I think this is a I think this is a good example of god or Jesus specifically um not revealing something and then like never revealing it. Like it wasn't like a hmm. so come later. It was just like a no. Uh this is in John 21. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, "Lord, who's going to betray you?" When Peter saw him, he asked, "Lord, what about him?" Jesus answered, "If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me." And so, in that instance, you know, Peter asked Jesus a question. He just said, "That's none of your business. It yeah. doesn't matter." No. Um, so I think that there's another instance of of Jesus saying, mm-hmm. "I mean, that w- the truth was that you know John." would not live you know until the second coming but yeah uh, it was like jesus took that opportunity and kept back that mm. very simple truth mm-hmm. to like kind of make a point to peter of like you don't need to worry about what's going to happen to the other apostles mm. um you just need to worry about what's going to happen to you and you're mm-hmm. going to follow me yeah and I thought that John wasn't going <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. was to die. Yeah,
1: he's like, and then that's how this rumor started. That I'm going to live That's not what he said. Stop saying that. Also, this is me. I'm writing this. <laughs> Hi.
2: Well, you know, I just had this thought today, and it's not like I've never pondered this passage before, but it could be that Peter was thinking, "You've just told me how I'm going to mm-hmm. die." Are you still mad at me? Hmm. Huh. Hmm. So, how about him? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, what does his future hold? And if yeah. Jesus doesn't want to freak them all out and say, "You know what? You're all going to die, martyr's death," hmm. and John, okay, he won't die from it, but he's going to be boiled in oil and miraculously spared. Hmm. What, what an awful thing for these people to live with. Mm. That'd be just horrible to know.
0: Yeah. And would it impact their ability to, to be witnesses? Would, yeah. Would it put fear or evil in their hearts that says like, no, I want to live. Mm.
1: Yeah. The only one he tells is is Peter. Yeah. who You know, had that sort of special
2: leadership role and, mm-hmm. and had that special redemption. Yeah. Role. Yeah. And who was also the one who said, this will not happen. I am willing to die for you. Mm-hmm. And now Jesus is coming back around mm-hmm. to that. And, and says
3: congratulations. <laughs> you're right. And traditionally, I mean, he was, his death is special in that he didn't want to be crucified the same way as Jesus. Because he, he was crucified, crucified upside down. Upside down. Right. right. That's incredible. Which sounds even more painful. Oh, it's got to be. I think it would be quicker, though. Probably, because all of them, yeah. You're
2: not going to, you're going to suffocate faster and.
3: Yeah or at least yeah, the crucifixion
2: sometimes lasted for literally a few days.
3: Yeah. Mm. The Romans were good at devising ways of torture. Yes. Speaking of which,
0: before we get into topic of the week, it is time for a new segment, A Word from Rome. Bill is reading what sounds like an, a complete history of the entire Roman Empire. Is that correct? Ooh, that sounds
3: fascinating.
2: <laughs> well, it's that two volume set, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire by Edward Gibbon. So what came up this week? Well, one of my favorite things that came up was a soldier, I take this to be the spoils of war, came across a shiny leather bag, and he thought, oh, I, I could use this. I love this. And inside the bag were all these shiny pearls. And he said, I can't use this. So he poured them all out and left them. You <laughs> think, all right. Not the brainiest soldier out there. So I just thought that was hilarious. You can't eat it. Why keep it?
1: It is, yeah. It's interesting that pearls or gold or diamonds, it's only valuable because we think it's valuable. Someone because someone else wants it, yeah. Because we think it's pretty. It's yeah. <laughs> like it. But yeah. that bag was actually useful. <laughs> All right. I can fill this with things that'll keep me alive.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like those rocks in the ocean. It's like those rocks at the bottom of the sea, which I, I don't think I've told that story, and I won't tell it now, but if you want to know an amazing story about how economics works, find me and say, Max, tell me about these rocks at the bottom of the sea. It's worth it. It's, it's a really spoiler, though. <laughs> the rocks at the bottom of the sea yeah, is kinda. a spoiler. Um, any, any other words from Rome for us this week, Bill? Well,
2: there were two emperors who coexisted or co-reigned. What? I thought oh, they emperors. all told the and...
1: How'd it go? Did it work? Max are they Minion? still okay? Yeah, yeah. It's right before,
2: was <laughs> it they before still Constantine? are yes. well, <laughs> Yeah, Just uh, maybe like about thirty years before Constantine. Right.
3: Then he kills his.
2: So these two guys did a great job, <laughs> and then they retired. No, because all the other <laughs> that's emperors that's get so killed, cute. <laughs> assassinated. But these two. Right retire that's us and they have successors that they have handpicked and have groomed
0: but they each pick a successor there's not just it doesn't go back to just one
2: right oh. so then i have two oh. co-emperor and you are going to take over and we're retiring and they're, and they're not that old they're retiring in their 50s wow so you think well wow what happened next well they had five civil wars in the next 18 years (laughs) the roman empire was not ready for this kind of peace diplomacy
0: (laughs) so yeah dan and scott cannot resign (laughs) you must be voted Mm -hmm. out when we resign we just only appoint one that see that does seem like a reasonable It's like i follow this Mm -hmm. guy i follow this guy well they both say that this guy's in charge now so yeah i think that's cool um Perfect. Uh, before <laughs> further, we got that sorted out, now we know uh, how the succession of kings of the Bloomingdale Church podcast will work. Kings. Well, it's time for... I've got a lot of new segments today. The new segment today, another one is called What is Going On? I want to read you uh, a passage from Isaiah 41. <clears throat> Isaiah forty-one two says, Who has stirred up this king from the east, rightly, call, uh, rightly calling him to God's service? Who gives this man victory over many nations and permits him to trample their kings underfoot? With his sword, he reduces armies to dust. With his bow, he scatters them like chaff before the wind. He chases them away and goes on safely, though he is walking on unfamiliar ground. Who has done such mighty deeds, summoning each new generation from the beginning of time? It is I, the Lord, the first and the last. I alone am he. Uh, To clarify, when he says, who is the one who has done these mighty deeds? It is I, the Lord. He is the one who gives this man victory over many nations, right? And permits him to trample their kings underfoot. Uh-huh. So my understanding of Isaiah 41 is that this the person they're talking about is Cyrus Second of Persia, who's going to be mentioned by name in 44, mm-hmm. um, who's going to come and conquer Babylon and sort of release the Jews from mm-hmm. exile, um, which is one of the most amazing prophecies in the Bible. something that I didn't even come across until the Bible Breakfast Club when it was like, they just called out a historical figure who had yet to even Wasn't like born, emerge. Yeah, who hadn't yeah. even like been born. And it was like Cyrus is going to come and free us all, and they're like, "Who the heck is Cyrus?" I don't know. He's going to come from the east. He's going to be a king, and then he was. Um, that's amazing. But that kind of brings me to you know, Cyrus isn't a believer. He's not a Jew. Um, God is, is described here as empowering him and he is using a non-believer a king in a foreign land to execute his plans to bless his people mm. and God rightfully takes credit for that and for the good that Cyrus sort of inadvertently does by freeing the Jews mm. and sending them back to Jerusalem so it seems as though God can work uh, through people who haven't accepted him mm-hmm. um, and who haven't been, like, filled with the Holy Spirit. How, can you explain to me how that works? How can God work through people who don't believe in him, who don't know him? How can he still, you know, how can there be this prophecy about Cyrus, who has no connection to the Jews, and he's doing this for his own selfish reasons, but God uses those motives and uses those actions to bless Mm -hmm. his people?
1: That reminds me a lot of our conversation staff meeting today. Mm -hmm. For context, for all of you who aren't, in the staff um, <laughs> about we're reading <laughs> through the philippians and we were reading the second chunk of philippians 1 where paul talks about the the people who are preaching the gospel well he's kind of sets up two groups people who are preaching the gospel from pure motives and people who are preaching the gospel to like get at paul which is like a weird way to it's incredible a weird way to like Can you upset. Imagine?
0: you're like i hate that church i'm
1: gonna go they preach, preach the gospel Muslim. really yeah. well. So they have like these impure motives. And Paul's response <laughs> is like, I don't care. Like Jesus is being preached and that's great. And Dave, Pastor David made a really good point of like, when we, as we were talking about it, he was like, you know, you're looking at 11 people on the screen who this is true about them. And he was referring to the staff in our Zoom meeting because all of us have impure mm-hmm. motives at mm-hmm. times and, mm-hmm. and varying degrees of of piety as we go about our ministries and God still uses us. And I think that that's, it's just evidence of like God's sovereignty. Mm. Like even if there were, even if every single Christian in the world died out spontaneously, like God could still work in the world Mm -hmm. um, because God is bigger than us. And he's bigger than uh, he's bigger than people choosing to believe him or not. And I think, you know, it also reminds me of, uh, of Genesis with Joseph speaking to his brothers who were followers of God, but who were not technically, but were not, you know, doing very godly things with their lives. And he says, you intended this for evil, but God intended it for good to accomplish what's now being done, the saving of many lives. It's just, it happens over and over um, that God uses mm. people with impure motives or who don't know him mm. um, to accomplish his purposes uh, because God can redeem anything. And glorify himself through it. Yeah,
3: mm. if God can speak to the prophet Balaam through a donkey,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. I got
3: no problem believing that He can speak through someone that doesn't know Him, and it's a pattern we see often through Scripture. Mm. I just was thinking about one of those today. Um in the book of Jonah, we're doing a study on jonah and uh and you see in in chapter one, Jonah's in the the ship, and everything's going wrong. There's a great storm, and he's just hiding from God, and this this progression of him hiding that he ignores God's word. he goes down to the city called Joppa he goes down in onto the boat, he goes down the lowest point of the boat and then falls asleep. It's like this like literary like yeah. transition from like how low is he he's just trying to get away and hide from yeah. God, yeah. And the, God uses the the ship's captain to speak with him and say like, arise, like what are you doing asleep? Pray to and, your God. <laughs> yeah, pray to your God. And so it's like God is like, hey, He's going to use this ship captain that's probably rough around the edges and and probably worships his own separate God, which we later see that he does. But to, to speak to Jonah and kind of wake him up spiritually. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Hmm.
0: And I guess on some level, I mean, you know, God has to has to call us when we are not believers, right? Like mm-hmm. He still has to.
3: Um, people have to be drawn to him so you look at what's happening in the Islamic world God speaking to unbelievers in dreams revealing himself mm-hmm. I was just talking yeah. to one of our international workers this week about that and just amazing what God does and mm-hmm. I could tell you I could spend forever talking about some of the stories mm-hmm. shared with me it was just um, incredible I just God demonstrating yeah. himself yeah. to people that are so far from him
0: I mean God is He's he's the God of everything yeah
3: it's mm-hmm. not just like in his corner, sending out his troops, hoping to take over the board. <laughs> like this guy, he came to faith through a dream and was like radically transformed. Somehow he had a conversation with a friend. We we're talking about this and the, guy, and the guy was like, oh, I'm interested in that a little bit. Like, tell me more. It's like, you're going to have that same dream tonight. Oh my word. And the guy had the same dream Oh my word! and put his faith in Christ that night. That's incredible. Wow. Like, like he just spontaneously said, like, you're going to have that same dream. And then God did
0: it. Wow. Oh. That's amazing. That is awesome. Um, Final thoughts on that before we get into topic of the week. Well,
2: last night I was reading Lauren Cunningham's book, Is That Really You, God? Mm. Lauren Cunningham is the founder of YWAM, Mm -hmm. Youth With A Mission. And he told the story of a man I'll just call T, because I'm not sure I ever could pronounce his name. And T was terribly backslidden at this point. And he's in a bar... Planning to just get roaring drunk. And uh, he's a married man, and a girl slips into the booth beside him. And she says something to the effect of, I am really backslidden. I have turned away from God. So he gets convicted. He stands up in the middle of the bar and just shouts out in a loud voice, God, will you just leave me alone? Mm. Mm. Wow He really did some more backsliding Before ultimately Lauren Cunningham and his wife Just never gave up on this guy mm. And he He just was broken before God And um, Ultimately became a very important Leader in YWAM mm. So th- It is amazing who God uses And what they say That girl had no idea who she was talking to and, Yeah To me, it speaks of the greatness of God. Mm -hmm. You cannot contain God. Mm -hmm. God is the only being in the world who is truly sovereign. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well,
0: topic of the week this week is brought to you by the adult education class, Hope in the Dark. Mm -hmm. Have you ever wondered, even secretly, where are you, God? Can I really trust you? Whether it's a question you've struggled with in the past or you are facing right now, you are invited to join us as we explore the work of author Craig Rochelle in Facing Down the Truth. During the reading and discussion, we will be looking at the story of Habakkuk, a prophet of God who also struggled with trust and doubt. Together, we will discover how God meets us in life's most challenging moments and encourage one another as we wrestle with the reality of pain doubt and unanswered questions. Hope in the Dark Adult education class going on right now through March fourteenth on Sundays from nine forty five AM to ten thirty AM to learn more and for the Zoom link visit <clears throat> bloomingdalechurch.org slash weekly. Um, it's right there uh, in in the weekly. <laughs> what do you want from me, Scott? <laughs> I yes. it's a
2: great class. I attended it last week. Who's teaching it? Nancy Hellstrom. Mm. It, is. it is dynamite. Perfect. Um, You speak very highly of her classes. Yes. She really is a great teacher, and she pours herself into it. Mm.
0: For Topic of the Week this
2: week, Happy New Year. We were supposed to
0: celebrate the New Year last week, but obviously that... Uh, moved to celebrate the new year. Happy Chinese New Year. Happy, well, I don't think it's Chinese New Year. Happy, <laughs> Di- happy Chinese New Year to Dan. Thank you. Uh, but uh, I don't know
3: if it is today. I don't <laughs> <we> know when <laughs> it is. start off
0: with a segment called Mark Your Calendars, <laughs> um, where uh, I want to go through a couple special days from the Christian liturgical calendar, some of the more unique. Uh,
3: February 12th.
0: That was a little early. Chinese happy early Chinese new, Chinese new Year. Happy Chinese New
1: Year, Dan. <laughs> happy Chinese New old year uh that's right <laughs>
0: happy chinese 2020
3: dan um <laughs> poor chinese they're still stuck in 2020
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh to start off can somebody give a little background on what the liturgical calendar is there's a lot of different liturgical calendars depending on your denomination depending mm-hmm. on you know all kinds of different uh uh segments of of christianity um so can somebody give a little bit of a rundown of of what the liturgical calendar is and what it means to to us as Christian missionary alliance believers?
3: Well, I see it as like the special days that we mark off in the Christian world. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know there's I don't know all the details of other denominations of how they actually mark it off, but I know there's like something called ordinary time, and then there's like this like as you mm-hmm. Like that's just like the ordinary days, and then there's like the special feast days, and then' is the Lenten season and Easter, and of course, but the Christmas season. and mm-hmm.
2: the one that I'm thinking of that I got a big kick out of celebrating years ago in Omaha is called Pentecost Sunday,
0: okay?
2: It's the seventh Sunday after Easter, and it represents when the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. came in Acts chapter two. And the reason why I got such a big kick out of it was, in Omaha, we were working hard on racial reconciliation, and the uh, black churches said to those of us that were working hard on it, you know, we come to all your stuff. You put on a conference, we come. You need to come to our stuff. Mm-hmm. I said, you're right, we do. Yeah. What do you want us to come to? I said, well, we're having Pentecost Sunday. It's also known as Whit Sunday, W-H-I-T, okay. Whitsuntide. Mm-hmm. Huh. So... We're going to do this on Sunday night, on Pentecost Sunday, and you need to wear a robe if you're a pastor. Okay. So, okay, I borrowed a robe from somebody, and all all of us pastors, I think they had us seated in the front for part of it, and they combined a bunch of choirs, and they met in a big black church building, and... uh, Preaching was, I heard one of the very best sermons I've ever heard in my life. Watson, Maurice Watson, pastor of uh, Salem Baptist Church, preached on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. He preached for a minimum of 45 minutes, maybe even an hour. And he preached Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6. He showed how the full armor of God ties into mm, okay. being filled with Holy Spirit, how your marriage ties into it, how oh. you raise your children. It was just it was just a phenomenal message. And yet I think the thing I remember even more than the message was a little black child, probably ten years old, wrote a song for the occasion. Okay. Wow. And and I don't mean some little chorus. I mean a full-blown song okay with sheet music that was as i remember more than one page and so they put him on a chair so that he could be seen and he led the choir through this the song, song. they practiced practice this song and And then you could buy the sheet music after the service for a dollar. He's selling it and autographing it. (laughs) I just thought, this is so cool. And it was a good song. I wasn't like, oh boy, yeah, it looked like a 10-year-old kid wrote this song. No, no. The kid is obviously very gifted. And where else do you let a 10-year-old kid loose but in a church, you know, (laughs) with with that kind of Mm -hmm. talent that's that's what I love about church. Church is just wide open when it comes to leadership development more so than any yeah. other organization in the world. Yeah. So that was my experience with Pentecost Sunday. Yeah. It was a wonderful experience.
0: Now I want to know how the armor of God like <laughs> fits yeah. into being filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. Um Dan what uh actually I'll go next. Oh, you, I'll, go, you go, go next. I'll go next. Uh, the Sunday, or the, the day, actually, that I want to talk about is the Feast of St. Stephen, um, as featured prominently in the song Good King Wenceslaus. The day after Christmas Day is the feast of St. Stephen. Um, when the snow lay round about deep and crisp and even. That's right. <laughs> In Finland, it is referred to as the ride of St. Stephen's Day, hmm. um, which refers to sleigh rides with horses. Um, hmm. But it is the day when the church, uh, for centuries, has celebrated the life and death of Stephen, the first hmm. Christian martyr. And it never occurred to me that Stephen was like the first Christian martyr. Um, but I suppose that he was. And obviously, uh, you know, the Bible says that Paul was present at his execution. Holding everybody's coats. Holding everybody's coats. Um, I think it's crazy that that's celebrated the day after Christmas. Mm. That's like, Jesus has come and we have begun to die for him. Um, mm. That's intense. Um, but it's really cool. And again, it you know i talked about christmas meaning a lot to me because of easter and the death of stephen you know who who was the guy i believe he's in charge of taking care of the orphans and the widows and like distributing mm-hmm. food and clothing to them before mm-hmm. um before he's executed before he's you know arrested and executed and a man who's present at that eventually becomes you know mm-hmm. eventually becomes the man who takes the gospel to the gentiles right mm-hmm. and who ultimately, in, in a lot of ways, is responsible for my salvation um, way, way, way down the road. Um, and so I think that's that's really cool, too. Um, mm. As an interesting side note, uh, Stefanotag is a public holiday in Austria, uh, which is a mainly Catholic mm. um, country. Um, but the 26th of December is a public holiday in Poland, Germany, and the Czech mm. Republic as well, mm. um, referred to as uh, the, quote, second day of Christmas, St. Stephen's Day. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. And that's cool because... You know, Bill, uh, on the Christmas special, you talked about how, you know, the joy of Christmas is so in, in captivating, you know, captivating mm-hmm. to all of us around the world. And um, at the same time, the suffering, right, of Christmas and, mm-hmm. and the fact that Jesus came to die for us, he came to, to to give his life for us, and now we give our lives for him, Um can be so closely married to Christmas day. It's like the next day is, Mm. um, is right there. And and it's the second day of Christmas, St. Stephen's day. And I think that's really cool because it's, it would be really, it would be sad to only have the attention of your neighbor or whoever you love for like the first half. And it's like, God's great. Let's eat. um, And not have, you know, Jesus suffered and he calls us to suffer too. um, For the good of the world, (laughs) Bill, (laughs) What are you smiling about? You
2: may not want to put this in here, but I'm thinking of the explanation of every Jewish holiday. Okay, they tried to kill us, we won. Let's eat.
3: <laughs> Is that a Buffalo Grove holdover? Yeah. <laughs> I love Steven. I think it was fantastic. I love how he took the people that arrested him and they're he's on trial. Mm-hmm. Leads him through the old whole old testament. Oh man. And,
0: yeah, what a legend. And just
3: says you guys are guilty of the same thing.
0: And that that makes me wonder about Paul too. Like was he there for that? Like was he there for yeah. the trial and was he like, you know, he's got a point? Like, mm. what impact did Stephen's death have and his speech and his sermon and the way he dies praying and, and mm-hmm. saying he sees Jesus at the right hand of the Father, right? This guy who clearly knows his Old Testament. Yeah.
2: Um, I'm wondering know. about all the people who were helped by Stephen. And, and we're talking probably in the neighborhood of 500 to 1,000 plus. Mm-hmm. Because in studying that passage that comes before it, Acts 6, I came to the conclusion. When they're feeding the widows, this is such a big undertaking that for their size church, they're feeding probably a minimum of 500 widows. Mm. So 500 families are deeply impacted by this. Yeah. And now they're, they're harassing Stephen and they're about to stone him. What, some of these widows are present. Mm. So I can just see them tearing their clothes, weeping, wailing, sc- crying out. You know, God protect him. I bet this chapter seven is a real, real wild scene. Mm -hmm. Just wild, like what people are talking about with the Capitol building a week ago. Mm -hmm. It's wild like that.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And what a witness. Yeah. That he had that impact on them in life and he was willing to die for it Mm -hmm. and not for his own glory. The whole time saying, this is about God. This is about who he is. And let me walk yeah. you through the whole scriptures of who he is. Because he
3: could have just said nothing, but he said it was filled with the Spirit. So he, could have said him he could have said, Satan. what law is there
0: against me helping people? I want mm-hmm. to help people. But he doesn't yeah. say that either. Mm-hmm. He's like, God's going to be glorified. Screw you.
3: <laughs> and you're stiff-necked just like your
0: ancestors. You're stiff- <laughs> and
3: now you've
2: become his betrayers and murderers. <laughs> well, and then he has this interesting line, I see jesus standing at the right Mm -hmm. hand of god Mm -hmm. and john bunyan the great christian writer who wrote pilgrim's progress said he is saying that jesus is his advocate because Mm -hmm. jesus stands up he's not sitting on a throne Mm -hmm. he stands up in order Mm -hmm. to advocate advocate for mm-hmm. Stephen, mm-hmm. you think, wow. Yeah. And, and the Jewish religious leaders, they know what he's getting at. It's like, whoa, we, we really have stepped over the line. We don't care, but we've stepped <laughs> over the line. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, he's for real about this,
0: for sure. We talked a, a while ago, a couple months ago, about like what happens, and, and we'll talk about it again, like what happens immediately after we, we die, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never thought about it, like Jesus standing, like he is prepared. Like in a couple of moments, he will begin advocating for Stephen. Mm -hmm. And that's like the last thing Mm -hmm. Stephen sees on earth. It's like Jesus is there and he's ready.
2: And what a comfort to Stephen. Exactly. I'm not by myself. Jesus himself is standing at the right hand of God. He's Mm -hmm. my advocate. I'm going to be in the presence Mm -hmm. of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Amen. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah.
0: And Dan, what,
3: uh, what day of the year have you brought to us? The Feast of the Holy Innocents, ooh, which is generally a Roman Catholic holy day, okay, and <laughs> with a little bit of humor mixed in, <laughs> and uh, and I think it's uh, it's December twenty eighth in the Roman Catholic calendar and December twenty ninth in the Orthodox calendar. Mm-hmm. Well, living in a very Catholic country, saw so a lot of feast days, and this sure. one kind of takes the cake. Not, and it's sad. I mean, it's mm. it commemorates the. Um, the slaughter of the Hebrew children in Bethlehem by King Herod. Uh, uh, so that's the day where you know Rachel weeping for her children cannot be consoled. You know, like remembering mm, all those infants. Who knows how many, but a good amount, I'm sure. Yeah, because it was Bethlehem and the surrounding districts. Yeah, and so it's commemorating their their brutal murder by Herod. And uh, but it's kind of turned into like National Joke Day. <laughs> I, don't, I guess maybe to lighten the mood, so it's the equivalent of huh. our April Fools. Oh, oh my! No kidding. Is December twenty eighth? <28th>. Wow. Whoa! <laughs> and I remember, cause not just in in Mexico, but I don't. That was the joke kind of day in Mexico. Yeah. Like December twenty eighth is the big joke day. But in Costa Rica, it was like a huge fireworks day. I remember being there on December 28th. There was like lots of booms and. Like they, they set off, in Latin America, they set off fireworks for every feast day. It's like a thing you do. Yeah. But the Catholic Church, I think, buys fireworks. And they yep. just like light them off. And...
0: That's amazing. Mm-hmm. When you say we had a Colombian family that lived across the street from us and they set off fireworks
3: like at least once a month, and mm-hmm. maybe that was why. It could be. It could be they were <laughs> celebrating a feast day. I mean, we, you see all sorts of things from like the different like Virgin Mary sure. kind of statues and stuff. Sure to like parades for that and that closes down school. Mm. It's very mm. kind of in your face. Very apparent. Yeah.
0: It was, oh, what was it? It was your freshman year at Wheaton that Dr. Ryken's uh, chapel message at the, at Christmas was about that was about the, the murder of the, the infants. I don't remember. It was either that or the year before. And it was the day before Um, one of the, bigger school shootings of that decade. Mm. Uh, yeah. So that's the, the connection in my brain mm-hmm, to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is something that certainly doesn't, you know, doesn't get talked about too much, but also is um, man, going back to Stephen, like Jesus is born, but like the suffering is, has begun. Mm-hmm. Um, the suffering has, has continued and evil is now. Fighting for its life even more than it was before, mm. like before it was like all mm. fun and games, but it's like mm. the savior of mankind is here. Mm. <laughs> we're We're living on borrowed time. It's time that evil's gonna start start reaching because mm. um, it's about to be destroyed. Hallelujah mm. um, well. Uh, Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions. Would you rather? Trivia quizzes. I would love if you send me a liturgical day. We'll talk about it on the show. You send a liturgical day, um, even if it's a Catholic day, even if it's Eastern Orthodox, even if it's, I don't know if we'll do any Buddhist days. No, Uh, no. (laughs) To podcast at (laughs) BloomingdaleChurch.org. We will talk about Jesus redeeming Buddhist holidays. Uh, For our closing segment this week, it is time for bets. Way back in December, we held a frigid outdoor service at 11 a.m., and we Mm. asked how many cars would honk after (laughs) Nita's prelude of Mary Did You Know. Dan said 16, Scott said 12, Bill said 13, I said 18. Not a single car (laughs) even (laughs) coughed following that song. You could hear a pin drop. I have not seen an outdoor service that quiet since yeah, we started doing them and I take it on. It's my own fault. Cause I, I made this big stink of like Sean and like, I named some people. I was like, you guys got a honk for me. Cause I'm the top of the, like I said, 18, I need 18 honks. Uh, not a freaking sound. Um, <laughs> No service before or since has had such a complete lack of response to the phrase, good morning, Bloomingdale Church. I am disgusted, but regardless, Scott wins. Hooray!
2: Yay, uh, Scott. So
3: let me go get your prize. Hooray! There's a big holy day in Mexico that's the Virgin of Guadalupe. And like the, she's the big like apparition of Mary. Yep. And I remember like, traffic in Mexico City is horrible. I think it was December 9th. We had to go there for the, the day. There was no traffic on the road. In a city of 25 million people, it's insane.
2: Oh my goodness! What did you win, Scott? Uh, the jelly beans. Oh, okay. This yeah. is
3: a plethora. Yes, Thank and
0: you. Dan has his has his Christmas trivia champion jelly beans now as well. Uh, You can stop bothering me. So I can sleep at night. Uh, Let's get into next week. I was reminded this week that we still haven't done our episode all about The Chosen. Mm, This incredible series that has made such an impact on a lot of people in this church. Um, I still haven't seen it yet, so I need to start watching it in preparation. When I go on IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, next Wednesday morning and look up The Chosen, what will be its Metacritic score and how many reviews will there be? How many user reviews will there be?
3: Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes?
0: Uh, Ooh, we got to go all three now. Just overall. Get your cards. So -hmm. we'll do three. We'll do three different ones. So you got Metacritic, you got Rotten Tomatoes, and IMDB. You said the number of user reviews? The number of user reviews. So it doesn't give a rating of user reviews. It gives a number. And two hundred and fifty-five people have reviewed Star Wars: Clone Wars, so nobody's doing it. So nobody's doing that. Okay. Um. So Metacritic, which tends to hang low, Rotten Tomatoes, which seemingly goes high, and Metacritic—I mean, an IMDb number of those. Um, Dan, yeah. what do you got?
3: No, I said Metacritic sixty-seven, Rotten Tomatoes seventy-nine,
1: IMDb user reviews sixty-eight. Okay, Scott. I said Metacritic 74, Rotten Tomatoes 88, and IMDb 56.
2: Okay, and Bill? Metacritic 62, Rotten Tomatoes 76, IMDb 4.
0: Okay, I said Metacritic 71, Rotten Tomatoes 96, and IMDb, I said similarly. Seven people would have reviewed it. I don't expect a a lot, though admittedly, you never know.
3: So... Thank you very much. I scored mine low, nut because I think it's a bad series. just because well, it's sure. secular media the posi- reviewing the, the Bible.
0: Yes, grading this is going to be almost completely impossible, so I look forward to doing that. Um, but <laughs> that is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank, Thank you, Max. Max.
2: And Thanks, Max. Bill, take us home. You have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church podcast. Brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. <laughs> Barry White's got this really deep baritone voice. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. He sings all these romantic songs. Yeah. <laughs> so, one time in church, <laughs> Daniel says to me, hey, we're just not getting enough people coming to this winter banquet. In those days, it was called the Valentine's Banquet. Oh, I said, oh. okay. He says, can you make an announcement oh God, to persuade them to come to this? He says, yeah. So, the announcement comes at the end of the service, and it's, it's stuff like, you know, sign a guest book, but then it's, while I'm talking, Barry White just starts ever so softly coming in <laughs> the song gets a little louder and a little louder. And, and now people are just like looking around like, what the heck is going on? And so then I, I just start snapping my finger and rocking a little bit. And say, Friends, I want to invite you to the, rom- the most romantic night of your life. <laughs> we are having the teen's Valentine banquet. There's going to be entertainment, a fine dinner. Candlelight, you don't want to miss this. And don't think for a minute that it is romantic. This has nothing to do with romantic. That's actually what the, how the thing ended. This is a fun It's the most
3: romantic, non-romantic <laughs> evening of your life. But what happened <laughs> was,
2: people loved that you know that music in the background, and that announcement so much, they just kind of like went out and s- s- kind of sold it out right there in oh the lobby. Gosh. Oh, nice. So they, they got into it. I just love that. But Barry White. It's thank friends. you, Barry. He's, he's, Barry's serving the Lord as a dead man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, when you said heebie jeebies, it made me think of this thing I was looking at yesterday. It was all of these pictures that car mechanics have taken to like prove that what they were experiencing was real, <laughs> like a cat in a you know in the engine <clears> block <throat> and stuff like that. And this one person took a picture of like their like the print off of what they did, and and it was like the car was taken in because the driving was herky Jerky. We tested it and discovered that the Herc was up by, you know, 118, and the Jerk was too low by 0.5. So we re- reoriented them, and then and then it, it keeps going. It adds in some other words. I don't remember exactly what they are, but they're funny, like Honky Tonky. And then it ends, and it's like, and all now the driving is all nimbly bimbly so, getting... <laughs> so funny. Uh, I hope one day
0: it's, I can get. It sounds like Bill Calvin selling me a car. Yeah, not,
2: it sounds like something Joel Calvin would have written up. Uh, we should go to Joel Calvin's shop. Mm, and get it yes. right up all right